Amen. What if you got your Bible tonight? Let's go to Psalm chapter 1 in the Word of God. Psalm chapter 1. And uh, how many is glad that once you're an enemy, you had to see that at his table? Aren't you thankful for that? That's what the gospel is all about. That's the Psalm chapter 1. Thank you for coming and joining us again on a Sunday night. And this, uh, this is a week of revival meetings. I trust to be back again tomorrow night, Monday night, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And we're going to gather around, hear a few songs, sing a few songs, and we're going to get right into the preaching each and every night. So I encourage you, I try to make it important to be here, try to have somebody by your side, and I just believe the Lord's going to be with us this week, amen? amen. Because if he doesn't, we're in trouble. All we'll have is a meeting this week, and uh, I said this morning, and I'll say it again, in Sunday school, uh, we're not going to have revival just because I show up, we're not going to have revival just because you show up, we'll have revival when God shows up, amen? Amen. amen. That terminology? Well, Isaiah 64, 1 says, Oh, that thou wouldst bring the heavens, and that thou wouldst come down, Amen. Revival doesn't happen when the preacher shows up. Revival doesn't happen when the people shows up. Revival happens when God shows up. Amen. G. Kent Morgan said, we cannot organize revival, but we can't set ourselves and hope to catch the wind. And my prayer this week is blow, wind, blow. Amen? That's all we call. We're going to just read simple Bible revival messages and try to be a help, encouragement, and a challenge to you this week. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, I have not apprehended. And if he hadn't arrived, then you haven't arrived, and I haven't arrived either. Amen? And I know this, Tilly Gillespie can get a little bit closer to God. Uh, Tilly Gillespie can get a, can, can surrender just a little bit more, can yield a little bit more. He can be empty of self just a little bit more. Come on now. We can all go a little bit further and draw a little bit closer, become a little bit cleaner. Amen? Yes, right. And so you'll come, be a part of these. And I make no apologies for preaching simple Bible uh, revival messages this week. Uh, you say, I came to hear a bunch of Greek words parts. Well, you came on the wrong week. Amen. Yeah, this is right. not a week of seminary classes. This is a week of revival, revival Bible preaching. And so let's jump into Psalm chapter 1 tonight. I think this will be an encouragement and a help to you. Very practical. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not. Now stop right there. Whenever I read a phrase in the Bible like that, I put on the brakes and say, Lord, uh, whatever, whatever it is you're about to say about this man, uh, whatever it is that he does, or whatever it is that he does not do that results in him being blessed, then I'm going to make sure that I'm doing that, or I'm going to make sure that I'm not doing that, because I want you to bless my life. Amen? Amen. As we go on to say, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Father, I pray that you would meet with us tonight, and you would work in our hearts, and use your word in our lives. Lord, for me, one among us tonight that is here without you, who does not know you as their Savior, then, Lord, I pray that they would make the decision to receive you and put their faith and trust in you and be born again so they, too, can have a seat at the table tonight. Lord, I pray that you would use your word. Psalm chapter 1, Lord, but John 3, 16 is to our salvation. Psalm chapter 1 is to our Christian life. And I pray that you would help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The story is told about a father of a vacationing family who came across a large sign that read, Road closed, do not enter. The man proceeded around the sign because he was confident it would save him time. His wife was resistant to the adventure, but there was no turning back for this persistent road warrior. After a few miles of successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. 
His proud smile was quickly replaced with a humble sweat when the road led to a washed-out bridge. He turned the car around and began to retrace his tracks to the main road. When they arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters on the back of that sign which said, Welcome back, stupid. And uh, how many have lived long enough now to, to realize that life works, generally works better when you follow the instructions? Have you learned that? That's, like tonight. That's not just generally true about life. That is absolutely true when it comes to the Christian life. When it comes to the Christian life, according to the Bible, living life the Bible way is the best way. Amen. Living life the Bible way is the best way. And that's what we have here in Psalm chapter 1. In fact, notice the very first word of Psalm chapter 1. It's the word blessed. In the Hebrew, it means, oh, how happy. And it's almost like God is looking at a giant sign tonight that says, hey, Christian, you want to have joy? You want to be truly, brilliantly happy? You want to live a life of purpose that's going to matter for all of eternity? Then walk this way. Do exactly what I tell you to do right here in Psalm chapter 1. Well, no, it's you, but I want to have joy in my Christian life, don't you? I mean, enough Christians, it seems like they're enduring the Christian life instead of enjoying the Christian life. I want to enjoy the Christian life. In fact, God wants you to enjoy the Christian life. He wants to bless your life. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to be biblically and truly happy. In fact, the uh, uh, evangelist of Billy Sunday said this. He said, if there's no joy in your Christianity, he said, there is a leak somewhere. And for some of us, it's the things we've allowed to leak out of our lives. For others of us, it's the things we've allowed to leak into our lives. And I pray the Holy Spirit would place his finger on the leaks in our lives tonight. I want to preach on this subject, how to be a Psalm 1 Christian. How to be a Psalm 1 Christian. May I say this? God wants to bless your life tonight. How many agree with that? How many, how many believes that? But can I also say this? When you come to Psalm chapter 1, we find there's some conditions that your life has to meet and my life has to meet in order to get the blessing. In other words, if God's going to bless your life, then your life has to be blessable. And here's some conditions we have to meet. Number one, there must be separation tonight. According to verse number one, there must be separation in our lives if we're going to be a Psalm 1 Christian. Notice the Bible says in verse 1 again, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Isn't it interesting? The Bible says that a man or a woman who is blessed by God, their life, initially, it's not about what they do. It's initially about what they do not do. Excuse me. It's about the places that they do not go. It's about the friends that they do not have. It's about the things on television that they do not watch. And God says, if I'm going to bless your life, Christian, that there's going to be some areas in this whole world you're going to have to keep yourself separated from. And in verse number one, he lays out three areas. He says, first of all, you need to be separated. I need to be separated from sinful counsel, from sinful counsel. He says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly are those who are without God, are those who disregard God. And to make it as simple as I can, here's what he's saying. He's saying, sir, there's many voices in that old world out there, and if you're not careful, if you listen to the wrong voices as a Christian, you're going to get your life off track. Story in the Old Testament, God comes to Saul, says, Saul, would you kill all the Amalekites and all the sheep and all the oxen? He says, yes, sir. Well, he goes off and kills most of the Amalekites and most of the sheep and most of the oxen. And by the way, in 2018, partial obedience is still disobedience. Well, Samuel, the preached, the prophet comes and checks on him. He says, did you do everything God told you to do? He says, yes, sir, got the job done. Samuel says, what me offend the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear? He said, if you did everything God told you to do, why do I still hear 
your sheep and why do I steal your oxen? Well, at that point, he gives the blank shift. He starts to backpedal. He says, well, the, the people disobeyed. But the chapter says, but Saul and the people disobeyed. Finally, his back is pinned up against the wall, and he makes a confession. He says, I have sinned, for I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You better be careful about the voices that you listen to. You better be careful who and what you allow to influence your life. Remember the story of Lot in the Old Testament? If, if all we had was his life, we would say, that man's in the hot burning hell tonight. But when you come to the, you realize that you read, to the, you come to the end of his life, and he's, He's drunk, and he incest with his own daughter in a cave. Makes me a vomit, just to be honest with you. But you come to the New Testament, and we find out in 2 Peter, the Bible speaks of this just one. It speaks of his righteous soul. And the Bible says that he was a saved man. You say, Brother Taylor, how does a saved man end up destroying his life like that? Watch it now, through media. You say, well, that preacher, I mean, I've only been saved a few weeks, and I've only been coming to church here for, for just a couple of months now, and I don't know a whole lot about the Bible, but I know this much. I know that in the book of uh, Genesis, they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have Redbox, come on now, they didn't have YouTube back then. What do you mean that Lot destroyed his life through media? Second Peter says that he vexed his righteous soul through the things that he saw and the things that he heard. And because he allowed the wrong things into his heart, he ended up destroying his life. In other words, of Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon wrote to Rehoboam, his son, he put it this way. He said, my son, keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart with all diligence. That word keep means to keep cover. It means to guard. It means to protect. And in the Old Testament, they had wells of water. We talked about a well this morning, didn't we? They had wells of water, and it was necessary for them to keep the well covered. If you didn't keep the well covered, then the enemy could come along a dead animal into the well and it would pollute the drinking water. So with that same imagery and understanding in mind, they say, my son, you better keep your heart covered. You better guard your heart. You better protect your heart. You be careful that, any, that the enemy doesn't come along and put something into your heart that's going to end up polluting your life. Yes. You say, how does, how does the wrong things end up in our heart? Through the things that we see yes. and the things that we listen to. I say this, there's some music that a Christian really has no business listening to. There's some things, Mom and Dad, that shouldn't be watched on the television at home. In fact, tonight, there may be some families here. You need to go home and clean out the DVD closet. You need to get rid of some music. You need to get rid of some, uh, maybe delete some uh, music off the playlist on your iPhone. Come on now. You as a Christian have been allowing the world to influence you through the things that you see and the things that you hear. I'm saying tonight, if God's going to bless your life and you're going to have joy and be truly and vividly happy, you better be careful what you allow into your heart and into your life. You better be careful what and who you allow to influence your life. Number two, he says this. We don't just need to be separated from sinful counsel. We need to be separated from sinful companions. We need to be separated from sinful companions. He goes on to say this, the second phrase in verse 1. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Boy, I love the Bible, don't you? If there's one word to describe the Bible, that's my favorite. It's this word right here. Relevant. Isn't that a buzzword today? Relevant. And we'll make the preteen camps and in the summer times and Christian schools throughout the year. And many times young people, their their attitude towards this book is that this book is some old outdated book like Shakespeare that has no relevance for my life today. But I want to say tonight, there's no other book in the world that has any more relevance to your life than the Word of God. In fact, it's more up to date than this morning's newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And in 2018, it still has a lot to say yeah. about the friendship and relationships that we have with other people. May I remind you tonight, the Bible says that he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion 
souls shall be destroyed. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. In other words, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future, because your friends will determine your future. Amen. In other words, you want to know what you're going to end up like? Show me the people you hang around and spend time with. That's what you're going to end up like. And for some of us, if God's going to bless our life, and we're going to be truly biblically happy and enjoy the blessing of God in our life, then there's some people we're going to have to unfriend in our lives. Some of you right now, people in your life, they're not helping you, they're hurting you. They're not bringing you (coughs) to the Lord. They're dragging you further away from the Lord. And God says, you want to be a Psalm 1 Christian, you better unfriend, not just... Get, to, get the wrong influences out of your life. You better get the wrong individuals out of your life. Yeah. You say, how do you do that? You got to be a jerk about it? Not at all. You just come to revival this week. Like God to work in your heart. And you go on fire for Jesus Christ. And you begin to live for Him. And I promise you, those around you that don't want to live that way, they'll separate themselves from you. Yeah. There's always one in the crowd, though, preacher. Well, Jesus ain't with the publicans and sinners. I understand that tonight, but here's the difference. They weren't influencing him. He was influencing them. And then people ask all the time, when when do I need to separate myself? I tell the same thing. When they start influencing you, instead of you influencing them, that's when you can take a break and separate yourself. Amen? If God's going to bless your life, we've got to get the wrong influences out of our life. We've got to get the wrong individuals out of our life. But notice, lastly, we must also be separated from sinful criticism. Sinful criticism. He says in the last phrase of verse number one, nor sitteth in the seats of the scornful. You know what a scorner is? Usually every church has one. Usually every Christian school has a couple. Amen? Well, they criticize everything. I don't like this, and I don't like that. Boy, they criticize, and they run their mouths. Come on now. And the Bible says that this man in verse number one, watch out, he was sitting in the seats of the scornful. You know what that indicates? That chair's up here. And you know what that indicates? That he was comfortable there. Do you realize, according to verse number one, there's not a progression, there's a digression. He went from walking to talking to mocking. It was a slippery slope. Well, that's what sin always does, doesn't it? It'll bring you down. Now, according to verse number one, you can go from being on fire for God all the way over here to making fun of those that are on fire for God. You say, how does that happen? You start listening to the wrong crowd. You begin lingering with the wrong crowd. And if you linger long enough with the wrong crowd, eventually you will be like uh, like the wrong crowd. Sin is a slippery slope. It'll always bring you down. Number one, God says, you want me to bless your life? You've got to get the sin and the worldliness out of your life. Yeah. Let me say this tonight as well. You say, preacher, uh, you, you look pretty young. Yes, sir. You said you've only been at this a few years. Yes, sir. Well, if you couldn't tell, uh, preacher, uh, tonight, most of us, uh, this is a Sunday night crap. <laughs> and, uh, preacher, you can't tell, most of us got verse number one down. Can I tell you tonight, I do get that. And I understand for most of you here tonight, I could have skipped verse number one. Amen? I mean, of all places in the city of Houston, at 5.30 on a Sunday night, you're sitting in church being yelled at by a preacher. Amen? Of all things you could be doing, for the most part, for most of you, I could have skipped verse number one. But listen to me very seriously, closely tonight. This thing's not just part one. This thing's part one, part two. It's part A, part B. And listen to me. I know a whole lot of people. They got verse number one down. I mean, 
spiritual. They got their eyes dotted, and their T's crossed, and they will listen to the right kind of music. We're in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We don't run the wrong crowd. We don't go to the wrong places. I mean, we got verse number one down, but listen to me. I know a whole lot of folks, they got verse number one down, but they don't have verse number two down. And if all you have is verse number one down, but you don't have verse number two down, it's only a matter of time before you spiritually dry rot from the inside out. Number one, there must be separation, but number two, there must be saturation as well. You must be separated from the world, but you also must be saturated with the Word. Notice verse number two, I love this. The Bible says, but his delight. In other words, he doesn't delight the things that are found in verse number one. He delights the things that are found in verse number two. You say, what's found in verse number two? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. The Psalm 1 Christian loves the Word of God. Let me ask you tonight, as your friend, and this is I don't know, I don't know how to be spiritual. This is not a setup or a trick. What do you delight in tonight? Well, how do you delight in sports? Would you raise your hand? You have the World Series going on now, and 18 innings long. Amen. Do you enjoy sports? Nothing wrong with that. I got any Texas fans here? Yeah. I'm from Dallas, so I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, how, many enjoy, how many ladies enjoy shopping? Would you raise your hand? And uh, stay away from my wife. Thank you very much. Uh, how many enjoy eating? Would you raise your hand? Amen. And uh, nothing wrong with that. My wife is addicted, I mean addicted to chocolate. And several summers ago, we were traveling through Hershey, Pennsylvania. You know what's in Hershey, Pennsylvania? The Hershey Chocolate Factory. My wife started seeing signs on the billboards on the interstate for this place. And she just believed it was the divine will of God for her life to go and visit. And so she started begging me, won't you take me? I said, fine, I'll take you. And folks, we pulled into the Hershey Factory. And she got so excited, she started licking the windows. I'm going to sit you in the back. She was excited to be there. You say, preacher, what do you delight in? I, I, I delight in fishing and hunting. Amen. Anybody else? And uh, we live in our travel trailer, but at mom and dad's house, that's where we have all our mouths. If you were walking to my mom and dad's house, just north of here in Cleveland, uh, it looks like you're walking into a taxidermy shop. I mean, there are whitetails and, and uh, uh, turkey and duck and hogs and rams all over the place. Listen, we like to kill animals. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Just kidding. And uh, we like to fish. We like to hunt. Listen, if it flies, it dies. If it's brown, it's down. Amen. I don't care if it has fur, feathers, skin. I mean, I want to hunt it and fish it and eat it. Amen. Hang it on my wall, bless the Lord. But nonetheless, what do you delight in? I can let a real quick right there. I'm going to reel it back in. What do you delight in? I'll say tonight you want to delight in sports. You should enjoy that. Ladies, you want to enjoy shopping in moderation. Amen. You want to enjoy having a good time and fellowshipping and, and whatever you like to do, you ought to enjoy those things. But listen to me tonight. Just as much as you delight in those things, you ought also to delight in the Word of God. And I'm asking you tonight, as a Christian, as a friend, do you love the Word of God? Years ago, there was a book written by Robert Sumner. He's dead now, but he was a preacher. And he, uh, the book was called The Wonderful Works of God. In that book, he wrote about a young man who lived in Kansas City who was involved in an explosion on his job. As a result, he lost his fingers and hands. He lost his eyesight, severely burned all over his body. As he was laid up in the burn unit of the ICU, someone came to him one day and said, what's the worst part of this entire uh, experience, this entire accident? He was a new Christian. He said this. He said, the worst part is that I'm no longer able to read the Word of God. Oh, when I got to that, he learned about a lady who lived in England who could read Braille, what blind people read, with her lips. He thought, I could do that too. 
They sent off revival in Braille. He got to where he was that day. They unwrapped it for him. They were, uh, his heart was racing, as you can imagine. He was excited. And they brought that Braille Bible up to his face. But unfortunately, the nerve endings on his lips had been burned off, and he could not feel the pages. You can imagine his heart began to sink. But as they took the Bible away from his face that day, his tongue slid across some of the raised characters on the page, and he felt it, and he thought to himself, I can read the Bible with my tongue. By the time that Robert Sumner's book came out, that man had read the Bible four times with his tongue. I'm asking you tonight, do you really love the Word of God? I have a pastor friend in Tucson, Arizona, Brent Armstrong. He goes on missions trips all over the world all the time. Several years ago, he was preaching in some of the underground churches in China, and on a Sunday morning in a barn-type structure, a handful of ladies had walked to the service that morning. That morning, he was going to preach about the Bible. So he asked before he began, can anybody stand up and quote a uh, verse of Scripture they had committed to memory? Well, one lady, she was a little bit different. She was dressed kind of funny, didn't have any uh, shoes on, didn't really have much any teeth in her head. And she stood up, and she began to quote Matthew chapter 1. This book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And on down she went and quoted the entire first chapter of Matthew. And the lady beside her tongue to her and said, Sad. Well, Pastor Armstrong preached the service that, that morning. Afterwards, he finished out the service. And he went to the lady, who told the other lady to sit down, and said, Ma'am, why did you have her sit down? She looked up at him and said, Preacher, if I had not stopped her from quoting Matthew chapter 1, she would have went on to quote the entire book of Matthew. Later on, found out that was the only book in the Bible she had translated in her language. I'm asking you tonight, do you love the Word of God? I tell you what, arrived back to church needs this week. We need an old-fashioned Bible revival, amen? We need some folks to fall in love with God's Word again. We need some folks like David, who said, Oh, how I love thy law. We need some folks like Job, who said, I've seen the words of his mouth. More than my necessary food. But he's the most like Peter, who would say, as a newborn babe, desire of a sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Well, that, that, that verse is a whole new meaning now that I have a child after we've had a baby. And boy, if you, if you, have, if you ever had a kid, you know this, you don't have to put them babies on a timer to figure out when it's time to eat. When it's time for them to eat, they're going to let you know it's time to eat. They want to start screaming their heads off. So you get that bottle, and boy, you, you start bringing it up to their mouth, and they'll start lunging at that bottle. They're so hungry. And finally, boy, you put that thing, and it's gone like that. But if you had a baby, and it was around the time they were supposed to eat, yet time continued to go on, and they just were not hungry, after a while, you would know something's wrong with that baby. You say, why is that? Because a healthy baby is a hungry baby. And a healthy Christian is a hungry Christian. And friend, if you do not crave and desire and long after the word of God, listen to me, there's something wrong with you. And according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1, the verse right before the one that he says desire the, the word of God as a baby desires good, the, the verse right before that, it says, lay aside all malice and anger and envy. In other words, he says, get the sin out of your life, and you'll begin to crave the word once again. Well, it's almost like there's a pattern throughout Scripture, isn't there? Yeah. Get the sin in the world out, and then begin to crave and desire the word of God. The old movie said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Charles Spurgeon said, the Bible falling apart usually belongs to a lie. Uh, that is, Howard Hendricks, the old Bible teacher up in Dallas, said it this way. He said, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lies. How's your relationship with the book tonight? 
Well, some of us can go back to a time. Maybe here recently, when you say, oh, Brother Taylor, every morning the alarm clock would go off, and I'd get up out of bed, and I'd open up the Bible, and I'd get that secret place, and I'd get my coffee, and I'd get my Bible, and I'd spend time, and I'd beg God to speak to me, and God was speaking to me, and showing me things I'd never seen before in His Word, and consequently, I was closer to God during that time than any other time in my life. Well, we need to fall in love with the Bible again. Some of you don't read it like you used to. You don't love it like you used to. You're not excited about church like you used to. Come on now. It's time we fall in love with the Bible once again. Some of you need to come down to the altar tonight and say, God, help me to make your word my delight once again. I need to fall in love with the Bible this week. That's what this week is all about, by the way. We need to have a Bible reminder. But I want you to see that a Psalm 1 Christian, he does not only make the Word of God his attention or his affection, he also makes it his attention. He doesn't just delight in the Word, he also dwells in the Word. That's the second half of verse number 2. It goes on to say, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In other words, it's not enough to just read the Bible. Now, if you've not been reading the Bible, then I, I didn't come to beat you up. I come to build you up and put an arm around you tonight and say, listen, we all fall off the horse every once in a while. Come on now. But we have a week like this to encourage us to get back into the Word and get back in step with God and walk with God once again. Amen. So if you've not been reading the Bible, then you're, what you need to go home and do tonight, you need to open up the Bible. Amen. But some of you, listen very carefully, some of you read the Bible every day. Yet come lunchtime, you can't remember one thing that you read. Now listen, we all do that from time to time. I do it, you do it, everybody does it. But if you do that day in and day out, every day of your Christian life, let's just be honest, that's not helping anybody. And the next step that you need to take, and I need to take, is not just reading the Bible, but meditating upon the Bible. You say, meditation, that sounds kind of weird. What's that all about? One little word put it this way. He said, meditation is when your mouth shuts, but your head keeps on talking. Amen, that's pretty good, isn't it? And uh, how many ever had a bad day at school? Did you raise your hand? Those are the homeschoolers. Amen. And uh, maybe you got beat up or whatever. And so mom and dad had to pick you up from school. And you're in the pastor's seat. Mom and dad are driving you home. And uh, the whole time you're looking out that window. And finally, mom and dad look across the car and they say this. What are you thinking about? You say, well, how do they know I was thinking? You had the look on your face. They just knew. What were you doing in that moment? You were mulling over. You were thinking about the bad situation that took place at school earlier that day. Now, that's a bad form of meditation, but that is meditation. Well, in the country, we've got cows, don't we? In the morning, when cows wake up and they'll get their stomachs, I said plural, stomachs filled with that grass. In the afternoon, the sun will come up and they'll go find a shade tree. And excuse the vulgarity here, some of you just had dinner, amen. But they'll begin to regurgitate that grass into their mouth, and they'll begin chewing, right? I'm probably call that chewing the cud, right? And they begin chewing that cud, and they break it down, and they digest it, and it becomes a part of their body. Now, that is a beautiful, well, that's not a beautiful, that is a picture of meditation. God says, I don't want you to just read the Bible, but I want you to regurgitate what you read, that verse, that truth, that passage, into your mind, and I want you to think about it over and over and over again until that truth becomes a part of your life. Amen. Did you see how that point this book begins to change your life? Did you see how that's missing in many of our lives tonight? You say, what's this week all about? This week is about taking the next step in your spiritual life. This, this week is about going to the next level in your relationship with the Lord. Come on now. It's Amen. about growing closer to Him. It's about developing some spiritual conviction, uh, disciplines in your life. We got too many people that come to revival meetings. I see it every year, and they live revival meeting to revival meeting. I don't just hear a story you up emotionally for a few days. I'm going to give you some Bible truths and messages that are going to help you walk in victory. Hey, six months from now. Hey, a year from now. Two years from now. And this is the fundamentals of a Christian life. If you're going to be a good 
basketball player, you've got to get the fundamentals down. And I'm not all that. You've got to learn to pass. You've got to learn to dribble. You've got to learn to shoot. But if you're going to be an effective Christian for the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's some fundamentals you've also got to get down. And that comes with our walk with God. And every day, we've got to open up the Word of God. And by the way, there's no shortcuts. I've looked for them. There's not any. You say, how do you read the Bible every day? You get up out of bed when the alarm clock goes off. Come on now. You sit yourself in a chair, and you open up the Bible, and you read word after word after word, and you pray, open down my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things from thy law. Come on now. Some of you are looking for a shortcut. You're burned out. You're discouraged. You, you've fallen off the wagon. Come on now. What's going to renew our love for the Word of God and say, God, I want to love you. Sometimes you just got to get on with God. Sometimes I pray prayers like this. God, I don't want to read your Word this morning. But I want to have the desire to read your Bible this morning. Lord, I don't feel like coming to church today. Lord, give me the want to to go to church today. Lord, I don't feel like praying today. God, would you give me the want to to pray today? Come on now. It's time for some of us to start getting honest with God. Meditate upon the Word of God. You know why some of you are discouraged tonight? Because you have the whole thing backwards. And instead of being separated from the world and saturated with the word, and some of you are saturated, you're separated from the word and you're saturated with the world. Yeah. And you wonder why you have no joy tonight. Listen, I'm not talking about when I'm talking about separation, I'm not talking about isolation. Yeah. It is not God's will for you as a Christian to go in some underground bunker and wait for Jesus to come. Yeah. That's not God's will for you. Word literally says separation is not isolation, it's contact without contamination. In other words, there's something wrong with the boat being in the water. The problem comes when the water gets in the boat. You and I live in the world. We can't help that. The problem comes when the world begins to get into us. God says, well, number one, we gotta get the world out. We gotta clean house. Number two, we gotta follow up the word day by day. We're still pumping the word. Well, I was so encouraged by Anthony this morning. He came over here and said, We're seven weeks, Brother Taylor. I've been reading my Bible faithfully every day. In fact, he pulled his phone out and he showed me all the verses, even his favorite verses every morning that he's read. Well, we need some of that. I tell about some of you who've been saved about five, ten, fifteen years. You need some of what he has right now. I don't mean to preach things. <laughs> Number one, we must be separated from the world. Get the world out. Number two, we must be saturated with the word. We've got to get the word in. And then last number three, and I'll shut her down right here. We see this verse number three. We'll be satisfied in his will. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Would you just get that little picture for a second? Here's a tree planted next to the river of water. That river of water is a picture of the word of God. And that tree ought to be a picture of your life. Now listen, this is not a dead tree, it's not a dying tree, it's not a decaying tree, but because it's situated next to the water. And listen, the most important part about a tree is not the, the branches and the leaves and the trunk. The most important part of the tree is the part that you don't see. Yes. And every day, and, and the last thing is in your Christian life, the most important part of your life is not the part everybody else sees, it's the part only God sees. Yes. And every day of your Christian life, you want to put your roots into the water of God's word and draw strength for every day. Amen. Goes on to say, he shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I'd like that to be my life right there. It was several summers ago. We got uh, it was in August, right here in Texas, just north of here, at the Colorado Bend State Park, the church in San Antonio. And they invited us to a back-to-school retreat in the month of August up at the Colorado Bend State Park, just north of San Antonio. 
If you didn't hear anything else I said, I said Texas in August. Amen. That's all you need to know. It was a, I'm talking about, you know, you know this. I can explain this everywhere else I go, but you know this. I'm talking about triple digits all week long. We slept in tents. It was the worst week of my life. And the, and the, and the, the first activity of the week was a three-mile hike. It was a mile and a half in and a mile and a half out. And the whole incentive was there was going to be a, a, a river and a waterfall. We could jump in and do all that. And so here we go. Well, we start off, it was like a death march is what it was. We start with this thing. Absolutely. You know how it is around here in August. I mean, everything is dead. There's no leaves anywhere. All the grass is brown. The ground is like cracking open. And so uh, before we begin this march, and I'm saying, I look around, and, and the trees are so dead and so brittle, your arm would brush up against the branches, and they would break off and fall to the ground. That's how dead everything was. Boy, the closer we got to that river, hey, things started changing. All of a sudden, the grass started turning green. All of a sudden, the trees started having leaves on them. Well, finally got down to that river. The river was slowing. Shit up, there's that waterfall. There's moss all over the rocks. I told you it was cool. There was a breeze there. Hey, everything was green. It was nice and shaded. Here's what I'm saying. There was a night and day difference between the trees that were planted next to the river water and that were not planted next to the river water. And there's a night and day difference between a Christian that spends time in the Word of God and that does not spend time in the word yeah. of God. So let me ask you a question. Which one of those trees are you? Well, tonight, some of us, we need to get the world out. And we need to get the word back in. We need to have a Bible in mind. So when you look into the word of God tonight, the Bible says it's a mirror, isn't it? And it shows us for who we are. So when you look into the mirror of God's word tonight, let me just ask you, is your life a reflection of Psalm chapter 1? If not, what needs to change your life? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We, it ought to be a treasure to us. It ought to be precious to us. If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, Brother Taylor, right now, I, even, even if right today God's been dealing with my heart, even leading up to revival, God's been working in my heart. And tonight, God has made it very clear. That in verse number one, there's some things in my life. Hey, there's some influences. There's some music. There's some television programs. There are some friends. There's just some things in my life where they are not helping me. They are hurting me. And tonight, God showed me I need to get those out of my life. Hey, preacher, would you pray for me? I bet you would lift your hands and like that at all. There's some things you've got to get out. Hey, that's what this week is all about. How many would say, oh, my one time I was in love with the Word of God. I read it every day, but as we all do from time to time, I got away from the, from the Word. I don't read it. I don't cherish it. I don't love it like I used to. And tonight, God spoke to my heart about that. But Tim, would you pray for me that I could fall in love with the Bible again this week? I bet you would you raise your hand when I pray for you. Yes. If you're here tonight and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and I say the greatest thing the Bible tells us, Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches there's one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and say, Preacher, God's been working on my heart ever since I left this morning. I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven one day, but just pray for me. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? I know that I can see it. Put it right back down. Preacher, pray for me. That's what I have tonight. 
Lord, I pray that you bless this time of invitation. Lord, I pray you'd help us to respond. And Lord, whatever you told us to do tonight, I pray now we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight as we peel together to play. God spoke to your heart tonight. Won't you come and use this altar and say, Lord, I got some things in my life I need to confess. I got some things in my life, Lord, I, I need to get out. Lord, I need your help to fall in love with your Bible again. Lord, you help me to be faithful? Just one day at a time.
I pray that you would bless us, help us as we are faithful to you. In Jesus' name.